My name is Wayne, and for those who don't know, I'm one of the pastors here at Life Changes Church, and I'm married to a beautiful wife called Genevieve, and I've got two beautiful boys, Lee, who's 18, he's in matric at the moment, and a four-year-old. Um, I don't want to speak too much about him, but uh, his name is Zachary, and he's absolutely incredible. Um, this evening, I want to talk about Jesus unfiltered, and my agenda is nothing else but speaking about the beautiful name of Jesus. I mean, we can make much of the man at the pool of Bethesda. We can make much of the woman at the well. We can make much of seeing ourselves in Nicodemus. But we must make so much more of Jesus. And so this evening, I've got an agenda. My agenda is nothing else but Jesus. And I want to read from John 1, 16 to 18. It says this. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is, him, who is himself God and is at the Father's side has made him known. I'm, I'm an encourager by nature. And uh, I found that out when I uh, went to Blue Rock. Who's ever been to Blue Rock? Oh, one, two, three. Well, it's great. It doesn't really matter. Um, and we were there with a group of leaders, and, uh, and then we decided, okay, let's go jump off the cliff, off the rocks, which was great. There was a five-meter-high rock, and then I went to go stand on the five-meter-high rock, and there was a, next to that was a 20-meter-high rock, and uh, a cliff, basically. And I thought, let me stand on the five meter high because, you know, the guys jumping from the 20 meter cliff might need my help. So that's why I stood on the five meter. Okay, just so you guys know. But on this, uh, on this rock stood another kid next to me. His father had just jumped in and, uh, and his father was trying to encourage him. Come boy, get in, get in. And there I am standing next to this boy, knowing that I'm an encourager. I said to the boy, you can do it, son. You can do it. Come on, look where your dad is. Surely you want to be with your dad. And with that, the boy just jumps off the cliff into the water. And there he is united with his dad. And he looks at me and says, Uncle Wayne, come jump in. I said, are you mad? Look how high this is. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to let you know that I'm an encourager. That is what I'm here to do. And uh, I want you to understand one thing and one thing only. You didn't come here by chance this evening. Um, you might think that you've made a decision to come, which is always great. But I want you to understand that the grace of God leads every situation and circumstance. And I want to open our eyes this evening to what that looks like. So over the past three weeks, we've done uh, great. Well, this is the third week, but in the past two weeks, a great series of Nicodemus. The first week, which was all about salvation, Jesus being in control of salvation. Week two, we did the woman at the well. And that is one of those topics where you say you can run, but you can't hide. And week three, we do the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, dejected, demoralized, and down. And this week, I want to open that up a little bit for us. I want to read from John 5, verse 1 to 15. And uh, you can follow me on the screen. Uh, hopefully it will come up. Uh, that's much better. Sometime later, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is, in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, 
a pool with five covered colonnades, while in other translations, those are porches, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. On these walkways lay a great number of sick, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, let's just stop there for a second. 38 years. Incredible number of years. A long time. A long, long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he had spent a long time in this condition, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I am on my way. Someone else goes in before me. Then Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Incredibly enough, three things that Jesus asked this man to do that is impossible. He is lame. Jesus asked him to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. What has Jesus asked you to do that is impossible for you? Immediately the man was made well, and he picked up his mat and began to walk. Now this happened on a Sabbath day. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. It is unlawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you to pick up and walk? Pick it up and walk, they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while the crowd was there. Afterwards, Jesus found the man in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What a warning. What a warning. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I want to speak about grace this evening. And I trust that as you sit here this evening, that you'll see the Father's heart more than anything else. I know of circumstances here of people who have been struggling for many years. People who have gone through difficulties, times of trouble. COVID has just passed. Well, it's still there, but we feel like it's passed, but it's there. And I know the circumstances. I know the difficulties, the things that people have gone, gone, through, have gone through. Dejected, demoralized, and down. But I want to tell you his grace is sufficient for you. Jesus has got a plan this evening. One, for those who don't know him, to save you. He's got a plan and a purpose for those who don't know why he's called you. But above that, he's got a plan for you to enter into a relationship with him. My story is uh, one that dates back almost goodness me, <laughs> almost 15, 16 years, and uh, it's not a good story. Uh, I was a man who loved the world. I did things that I shouldn't have done, and a lot of those things, if I look back now, is actually detestable. I look back and I think, wow, at the age of 14, I was exposed to pornography. I became addicted to pornography, and I thought, will there ever be a way out? You know, even when you're not saved, you still think. Come on, let's face it. You still think, will there ever be a way out? Right? You think, what is it going to take for me to walk free? Yet, the hold is so strong that you continue. You continue. And so much so that when I got married, I didn't tell my wife. 
and two years, three years after our marriage, I confessed. And it hurt my wife real bad. I want to tell you this evening that when I did that with my wife, there was a freedom, a love that I've never ever experienced in our marriage that came over us. There was a bond that was created, a wife who prayed, and a man who walked free. Jesus Christ has got a plan and a purpose for you. He wants you to walk free. And that is my story. I think about it and I think, how is it that I end up standing here this evening, as I thought today, as I prepped, that a man who was into pornography, a man who was in the world, a man who did detestable things, could stand here and minister to you. That's called the scandal of grace. Jesus knows no bounds. He's not a respecter of man. And believe me, your circumstances or situations doesn't scare him. Why is it that I stand here and believe me, I had better friends than me. Good ones, nice ones, loving and kind. Still, they don't know Jesus. I do. What is it? What is it about this Jesus that looks at the one that is not the obvious one, but the one that is far off? Now, can you imagine this place at the Pool of Bethesda? A lot of people, stinky, smelly, everybody went there. They heard a rumor that there would be healing. Now, if you've read that scripture, you would have seen that verse 4, if you've taken note, it's not there. Verse 4 was added in later to bring a bit of context to verse 3. So it's not really in the Bible because of the earliest manuscripts who didn't have it in there, but it was later added to bring a little bit of an explanation as to what is happening. But as with that scripture that is added in there, you'll see that there's a whole lot of methods and formulas that is in there that would allow people to follow sort of a religious system as to how they thought they would get healed. Now, I can imagine with a lot of people thinking that they're going to get healed, they're going to find healing, and they're all at this pool of Bethesda, five porches close to the sheep gate, trying to find healing. Now, it's so packed, sweaty, smelly. What a place. Can you imagine that place? Can you imagine being at a place such as that? It's like checkers on a Black Friday. You know, it's like we're all scrambling to get something and you just smell perfume after perfume and some not so great and some okay. And I would go there and come home empty-handed. My wife once sent me to checkers on a Black Friday and I was told to do the Black Friday shopping. I've never done it again. I promise you, it's a horrible place to be. And so you can just understand people punching through, trying to get to this water, trying to get healed. And right there is this thing called the sheep gate. And I just want to explain that a little bit, because if you take note of the little things, the words that are used in the scripture, that sheep gate was mentioned at the time when Nehemiah needed to rebuild the wall. Now, if you don't know Nehemiah, go and read Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. And uh, he was called by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so he goes and he starts off with a sheep gate. 
and he goes, and there are ten gates in total, ends off with a sheep gate at the end of that in chapter 3. So I'd encourage you to go and read that so this gives so much more context because the sheep gate was actually the place where they brought their animals, their sheep, for sacrifice. So quite important to understand that. And also, where they brought them was close to the place where they had a feast. And so at the time when they brought us, it was a time where there was a feast in Jerusalem. And we don't know what feast it was, but we know that they were celebrating. And so in order to get to that place, they would walk through the Sheep Gate, past this place called the Pool of Bethesda, and straight into the feast, where they, um, the, the tabernacle where they had a feast. Now I can understand as a, as a lame man, a man lying there for 38 years, he would feel sorry for himself. He'd be sad, dejected. Lonely, overlooked, 38 years, complaining that no one is helping him into the pool. Again, another sign of a person who lives outside of community would complain that there is no one. Where God gives us community, there will always be someone. But everybody's running towards this pool. Everybody, like most people would come there, especially those who had an illness, they would find themselves at this pool. And sometimes we run so hard for healing that we don't see the healer. Sometimes we can religiously run so hard to get healing. Sometimes we come through these doors in the church to find healing, but we do not encounter the healer. Jesus is after a relationship with you. I believe the encounter with Jesus is far more important than the healing that is available. Something might be temporary, but the encounter with Jesus is eternal. And this man, as Jesus comes up to him, says, uh, Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? Maybe a question we can ask ourselves this evening. Do you want to be made whole? Instead of saying yes, he makes excuses. Or, at least, he explains his circumstances that he can't be put in the pool. Now, it's funny, if you think about it, if we get asked a few things, like my boy Lee, if I ask him, Lee, would you like chocolate cake? Lee wouldn't say, well, is it the one with the nuts? Or is it, um, just hold on a second, I'm just tying my laces. Lee just says, yes, please, and he's there. And sometimes I look at him and I think there's the simplicity of a person who just knows how to say yes. If I was this man, so I think, I would have said, of course, I want to be made whole. But as you read, you would understand that he doesn't know who's asking. Which one are you at the pool of Bethesda this evening? How desperate are you? And do you want to be made whole? Let's see what Jesus does. Verse 6 says, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he had spent a long time in this condition, he asked him, do you want to get well? I like this part where it says, when Jesus saw him. Point number one, Jesus sees. He knows your condition. He knows your circumstance. He knows why you are here. I want to tell you this evening that Jesus sees. And this evening, you will have an opportunity to respond to that. 
We don't want you to leave here empty-handed. Jesus doesn't want you to leave here not knowing him. This evening, I want to remind you that he sees. Psalm 8 says this, When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You are worth it. Jesus loves you. Jesus sees you. You're just not a number here. 38 years sitting at the pool of Bethesda could be a number. He was lame. There could be other lame people there. Could have had the same sickness. 38 years, a divine appointment that Jesus had with this man. 38 years as if God doesn't know. As if God doesn't know. I want to remind us, as the scripture is written, God knows. He knew this man was there for 38 years. A divine appointment comes through the sheep gate to meet with this man. 38 years, how long have you been suffering? How long have you been struggling? How long have you been wondering if Jesus sees you? Luke 12 says this, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. And even the very hairs of your head are well numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. If God has not forgotten about the sparrows, he certainly haven't forgotten about this man at the pool of Bethesda. He's worth more than many sparrows. God is interested in you because he loves you. His eye is on the sparrow, but so much more, it is on you. Point number two. Now, it's verse, verse 10. I'll start just before verse 10. It says, now this happened on the Sabbath day. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. It is unlawful for you to carry your mat. <laughs> Can you imagine? You see a man being healed after 38 years, and you talk about the Sabbath. You see a man healed for 38 years, it's an abomination to go and do something that you shouldn't be doing on a Sabbath day. 38 years, this man is running around, jubilant, saved, healed by Jesus Christ. They tell him, who did this on the Sabbath day? Who is this man? Number two, point number two, Jesus smashes religion. He smashes the religion. Our thoughts, all of us, you know what we do by nature? We measure. We measure. What does your house look like? What does my house look like? What do you have? What do I have? What do I need to get to your level? What do you need to get to my level? My sin is not as bad as yours. At least I don't watch pornography. But hey, I've got an alcohol problem. We measure because there's religion stuck in our hearts as to the way we live our lives. Jesus comes and he smashes that. He smashes it because he knows that with religion, we will not encounter the healer. Because we believe that we can do it ourselves. We believe that we can attain something that is not given by God. Because we know how. We can do the math. We can count. We've been to university. No disrespect to those who've been to university. It's a beautiful thing. Well done. But we get too clever sometimes. But there's this thing called religion that Jesus smashes. He smashes the method. You know, verse 4 would have explained, and we know that it's not in the Bible, but 
It's been added there later. He smashes the method, the stirring of the water. You know, there's a way that you're going to get healed, but something needs to happen first before you get healed. He smashes the order. Whoever's first. We know that the Bible says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He smashes the timing. He's done this on the Sabbath. <laughs> on the Sabbath, come on. Jesus says, my father works on the Sabbath. What are you talking about? This is what I do. This is who I am. I am the healer. Religion will keep you from a relationship with your healer. Religion will keep you from a true relationship with your Savior. Number three, Jesus saves. And you know, in the beginning of the scripture, we read about the sheep gate where they would bring their sheep to be slaughtered as a sacrifice. They would go to the pool of Bethesda where they would wash the sheep, by the way. While you're lying there trying to get healed, there's a meh coming into the water. And sometimes if it's not clean enough, you'll stay there amongst the people. Meh, somebody cleans me, please. But Jesus enters through the sheep gate. He doesn't go to the feast, but he engages the far off. He doesn't go to the feast. He's more interested in those who are in need of healing. 38 years, this man encounters the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. 38 years, a divine appointment. Anything could have happened in 38 years, but that grace, that grace that kept him, that same grace that kept me, that grace when he thought it was over, that grace when he thought it's not going to happen, that grace when he thought he's not getting healing, that same grace that Jesus had for him, the encounter with the healer, not healing, the encounter with the healer, saved for life, changed everything. This is not a situation that Jesus stumbled upon. It wasn't by accident. It was a divine appointment by God for this man to encounter Jesus. Not just to be healed, but to encounter his Savior. 38 years. How long have you been waiting? How long have you been waiting? How long are you going to wait? I think we are called this evening to make a decision if we want to encounter this beautiful Savior. In closing, can I ask, where's Warwick? Oh, wow, you, it's like you read my notes from there. It's like, <laughs> Do you want to be made whole this evening? That's the question. I know you came here this evening, and it's nice. You've got friends. You've got mates. Man, some overslept. <laughs> and thought they'd come tonight, but little did they know. Some of you have gone through tough times, decisions that you had to make. Some are unemployed, lost their jobs. Some are on the streets, don't know where they're going to get their next meal from. Tonight I want to say, take up your bed and walk. Get up from the pool of Bethesda, whatever that is, where you find yourself, where you're searching, where you're looking, where you've gone in your life, 
where you tried and thought, maybe I can find healing in this place. Maybe it's a nightclub. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe you think, if I just have this boyfriend, I'll be okay and I will be great. Maybe you think, I'll just have this girlfriend. Maybe if he proposes, then I'll be okay. What does that pool of Bethesda look like to you? What is the mat that you comfortably sitting on at this moment? Jesus wants you to get rid of your comforts, but also rid of your pain, rid of your fear, and rid of your shame. I'll say that again. Jesus wants you to get rid of your comforts, rid of your pain, rid of your fears, and also your shame. Jesus is not just bringing healing this evening. He's wanting to make you whole. Some translations use that word whole. Some use well. Some use the word heal. But I'd like that word whole. It's just not a physical healing. It's a spiritual healing that Jesus brings. This man ends up in the temple worshiping like he's never worshipped before. What would you do if you got healed this evening? How would you worship him? Would you worship him so hard that the people at work is actually embarrassed of what happened to you and how Jesus healed you. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that entered that sheep gate and offered this man wholeness. That's what he does. That's what he's been doing. That's what he's going to do this evening.